You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. I am really, really excited about this series, Transforming Prayer. I've been planning it for some weeks and months. If you do have your journal with you, I think it's page 11. There's a blank page there where you can write down notes from what I share. It's only one page, so write small notes is what I'm suggesting. (laughs) Anyway, I thought I'd start off this whole series with a story. Uh, This is a picture of me and my two brothers when I was a boy. My younger brother is in the middle. And in case you don't realize, that was quite a big problem for me because I'm the one on the right and I was the shortest. You see, the reality was that I had a dairy intolerance which stunted my growth. And so both my brothers are taller than me. Um, My grandparents used to say to me, don't worry, Pete, good things come in little packages. But I was very disappointed with this. I had a dream at this age that I was going to be a professional footballer. And I thought, I need to be bigger and stronger, so I've got to grow. I also had this nagging doubt in the back of my mind that anyone would want to marry a short man. And so I kept thinking, oh, I've got to grow. Well, my dad was a really keen gardener. So one time, when we went to somebody's house to pick up a whole lorry load of horse manure... Yeah, dung out the back of a horse, I decided to fill my wellies with this because I knew it made things grow. I honestly wore these wellies all day full of horse manure. And my parents said, oh, is it? you know, it's time to go to bed. My mum was having to pull it off because it all got crustated. Unfortunately, I didn't grow, but I was keen to give it a go. I guess as we start this whole series... I want to ask you a question. How keen are you to grow? How keen are you really to grow? Many problems in life come from spiritual immaturity. We tend to base life on how we feel rather than look at the truth. It is possible to grow up, sorry, to grow old and not grow up. Luana Blackwell, she's an English novelist, said this, age is no guarantee of maturity. So it doesn't matter the fact that you've done another year on this planet or you've been a Christian for another year, are you growing up? When Peter wrote his letter to the church in 1 Peter 2, he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Becoming a Christian is not just, well, I prayed the prayer once. Becoming a Christian is not, well, I got baptized once. Becoming a Christian is something that we are to grow in. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and he says this, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And I believe that this series is going to challenge and inspire us. Are we growing in God? In fact, Paul says in Ephesians, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow 
to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. A child that does not grow up is not cute but tragic. I sometimes think we have fallen into that. Are we genuinely growing up? Father, we pray as we look at this series that we won't just forever be childish. We know that there's something to have a childlike faith, but we want to mature in you. We want to grow in you. Lord, we know healthy things grow. Father, as we look at these weeks on prayer, as we pray in our groups, as we go through this journal, let us be those that grow in you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I honestly believe this is going to be very exciting. It's the first time we've been doing meetups for three years. It's the first time we've not given choice about subject. We said, come on, let's all pray. We're all committed to grow. This morning, I'm therefore going to look at six statements that I believe are really helpful for spiritual growth. Six things that we can learn as we go into this new sort of series together. The first is this. We grow when we feed on God's word. We grow when we feed on God's word. I was struggling to have five fruit and veg a day. But I read this week that now we're supposed to have ten. I have no idea what a superfood is. The reality is I have trouble trying to keep track of two and a half thousand calories a day. What I do know is this. Eating junk food all the time is not healthy. Binging on a Sunday and having nothing all week is not great. It's good to eat healthy every day. As Christians, we are to feed on the Bible every day. If we literally just turn up and gobble it down on a Sunday morning and think, hopefully that will last me the week, we're not pythons. We're not supposed to grab one great antelope and then lie there and digest it for months. Every day, we can come back to the Word. Jesus spoke in Matthew 4 and he said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we are to be those that genuinely, and and a part of this journal I've been flicking through is every day there's something you could just, all right, what's God saying to me? What's the word of God saying? Paul, when writing to Timothy, a younger man, a leader, he was saying to this, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Basically, get a hold of scripture. Rick Warren, who's written this series that we're looking at, talks about getting a hold of the Bible like a hand. He says that if all you do is hear the Bible, that's like your thumb, I mean, it's not exactly a great grip, is it? If all you do is hear it, anyone could snatch it at any time. But he says, well, actually, your second finger is not just to hear it, but to read it. Oh, the grip is getting stronger. He says, the third finger is to study it. And so what I really want to do is I want to hear the Bible. I want to read the Bible. I'm going to study the Bible. It's getting stronger. The fourth finger, he says, is to memorize the Bible. What's a verse that I could learn so that actually I could... Use it throughout the week. The fifth one, he says, is to meditate. When you just take a verse and and take five minutes and say, God, speak to me. 
God, what's the richness of this? And then he says, actually, if you really apply it, you've got this great grip. And so it's rather, you can't get the Bible out. Because I'm totally committed to getting the word of God into my life. We shouldn't be those that literally just hear it and then suddenly find it slips away. I find this troubling because obviously I'm the one preaching today. You can forget 95% of what you've heard within 72 hours. By Wednesday, this whole thing might have disappeared for some of you. Some of you think, golly, I'd do well to get to Wednesday, you know. When I was a kid and I used to go to church with my two brothers, we used to get quizzed on the sermon over Sunday lunch. I'd sit there and think, I haven't got a clue what they said this morning. If I only listen, does it really impact me? John Stott, an English Anglican priest, he said, Christians who neglect the Bible simply do not mature. So if you're saying, yeah, Pete, I want to grow in it. I'm not going to fill my wellies with horse manure this morning, but spiritually I'm committed to growing. Get a hold of the Bible. Number two, we grow when we learn. What do I mean by this? We are called disciples. Disciples are there to learn. We don't know it all. We've got to be humble. We've got to come and recognize, God, I've got so much more to learn. I became a Christian at the age of nine in June in 1977. Now, I'm disappointed you all go, no, you don't look that old. It's true. But I've still got so much to learn. I have so much to learn. Jesus says in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, I know that we all learn in very different ways. Some people learn by listening. It's all about the ears. Auditory learners, they're called. You love church. Why do you come to church? Because you can sit there, you listen, you get the sermon, you think, God, I've learned loads. Great. Some, if you're really honest, you learn by watching. Amazing how many people, you know, you chat to and you think, oh, yeah, I've picked that up off YouTube. I've watched that on television. You're visual learners. Others, you learn by talking. It's your mouth, your verbal learners. You love the small... Nobody's got to talk you into a small group because in the small group, you all get to talk. If you're an extrovert, it's you. In fact, you don't engage your brain until you open your mouth. That is what some of us are like. I don't even know what I believe on something until somebody asks me a question and I start talking and out it all comes. That's how some of us learn. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm none of the above. I don't learn by listening, watching, or talking. Can I suggest you are a man? (laughs) Men tend to learn by doing. It's the hands. Physical, kinetic learners. Benjamin Franklin said this, a founding father in the United States. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. The whole purpose of this program... Is that, hey, you can listen to things, you can see things, you can talk about things, but you get to do things. If at the end of this you think, I've not prayed more, I've not got more involved, you've missed it. Number three, we grow when we develop spiritual habits. They say habits determine character and character determines destiny. Habits 
determine character, and character determine destiny. So if I said to you, yeah, I feel I'm an honest person, 50% of the time, well, the one case I don't need to be honest, you say, well, you weren't honest. Well, I was only said I was honest 50% of the time. It's not good enough, is it? If I said, look, I'm faithful to my wife 28 days of the month, she's not going to be impressed by the other two, is she? You see, actually, the way I live my life, habits show your character, which show your destiny. Jesus says, now that you know these things in John 13, you will be blessed if you do them. We're to be those that live the Christian life. Someone once said, physical maturity is bound to time. Spiritual maturity is bound to obedience. How do we develop good, godly habits? I grew up in a Baptist church. I told you I got quizzed on the sermon. We talked about spiritual disciplines. How often do you fast? What days of the week might you fast? How do you give? How do you serve? What are some of these habits? They reckon if you do something for six weeks, you develop a habit. I was thinking about this. It's like a ball of string. Oh, bother. If I was to pick up the ball of string and I was just to start winding it up like this, you think, I'm doing really well. But every time I drop it... I've just got to start again. I'm never going to get the ball of string completely done, am I? Because every time I drop... Some of us are like this. It's almost like with the, the word of God. We think, oh, I've done a couple of days, and I'm okay. But then, oh, I've dropped it again, and I wonder why I can't get the word of God into my life. I mean, it never seems to happen. You see, the habit is, maybe we just pick it up and we keep going. We've, we've finished the task by not dropping it. And I guess part of this whole challenge is, could we do the task, I've dropped more string than I realised, could we do the task in these 40 days and you suddenly, oh, I've learned a habit. Something's actually changed. That was for all those visual learners, remember it. It says in Hebrews 4, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We are part of training. I don't know about you, this is not fun. I don't find it fun. I am, as you've worked out, if some of you still say, golly, nine at that, yeah, I'm 50. And so I've hit that thing where, you know, the little crisis, I have to set myself a little challenge. My challenge this year is that I'd like to cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats. So that's the length of this country. Uh, I'm not a cyclist. It's 950 miles. And I thought, oh, that'll be fun. I got on my bike in January for the first time and did 20 kilometers and thought, oh, golly. <laughs> I'm not sure this is going to be fun at all. I went with a friend the other day and he said, man, you're really out of shape, aren't you? And I think, I've signed up for June. I, I, I did 50 miles yesterday. And now I've got to go back out again this afternoon on it. I've got to get back on. You see, there's a discipline. I never complete the task unless I put the miles in now. He's told me I've got to cycle 150 miles a week between now and June. So if I come and see you and I'm on my bike and I'm sweating, just be polite. You see, if I don't do the discipline, I'll never do the distance. And yet I think sometimes spiritually we think, I just don't want to do the habits. I don't want to do the training. 
I know we've had several visitors from America, so I'd, I'd like to keep contextually aware for you. Tom Brady is next week making another Super Bowl. I mean, how many more rings does the guy want? I was reading about him this week. He is diligent in his training. I mean, some article said that he did allow himself 200 milliliters of coffee a day, but some were questioning whether he'd even be that extravagant. Drinks water, no caffeine, no sugar. His only vice that I could discover was that he liked avocado ice cream. But this guy, I mean, doesn't do weights. He does all these stretches all the time. I mean, he was playing before some of the team members were born. But he would say, because I developed... Good habits, I'm still in the game. Paul writes to the early Christians and he says this, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There's this intentionality of Paul. He's saying, you know what? I am so disciplined that I want to get... He was so committed to growing. He just thought, you know, whatever it takes, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm totally in. I am surrendered. What does it take? I'll do it. We grow when we develop those spiritual habits. Now, you might say, oh, Pete, I mean, Paul was a little bit special. I accept that. But when we read about the life of the early church, we read this in Acts 2. They devoted themselves. This is all the Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They had some habits What was the habit? The habit was, we're going to get together. It was on a Sunday for them. That was a habit. What was their habit? Their habit was, I'm going to be a part of this group that meets in one another's homes. What was their habit? The habit was, I'm going to daily connect with God. What was the habit? The habit was, I'm going to devour God's word. And I guess through this, we're trying to say, hey, could we take that on? Could we grow? Gandhi, the Indian activist, said this, your belief becomes your thoughts Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. Come on, there's this whole process. And are we going to be those that are committed to developing spiritual habits? Number four, we grow when we help each other grow. The thing about this is you cannot do the Christian life on your own. Just not possible. I always used to use the analogy of, oh, you can't get married on your own. You know what I'm saying? It's stupid, isn't it? I have now discovered that people do get married on their own. People do now have weddings and invite all their friends to it so that they could walk down the aisle and marry themselves. Bad analogy. I'm trying to think of another one. 
But when I grew up, it always took two. That is like the Christian life. It would just seem an anomaly to me to do marriage on my own. Paul, in the beginning of the letter to the Romans, says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, that you and I may be mutually encouraged. There's there's this sort of sense of together. We grow when we're together. That's why we think, isn't it great when we're in the room? Isn't it great when these guys are serving us so well or somebody brings something? We grow when we're here. It's not just, oh, well, you've got nothing better to do. No, no, we grow when we're together. It's even like your your small group midweek. You think, when you get there, you grow. There are 56, 56 one-anothers in the New Testament. You know, you cannot do one-anothers on your own. (laughs) We are committed together. It is not just about us. The author of Hebrews says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I was watching a couple of the Rick Warren videos in preparation for this morning and this whole course as we're leaning on his material. Obviously, I appreciate this is America and we're not there yet. This church has got 30,000 people that attend every Sunday. 30,000 in many different sites. I was quite impressed by that. But I was probably more impressed by this. They have 40,000 that turn up at small group every week. 30,000 go on a Sunday, 40,000 are involved in small group because they've understood something of when we're in it, we're in it together. Helen Keller, uh, she was a famous author and activist, first blind and deaf person to earn a BA degree, said this, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Alone we can do so little. The danger is that if we feel hurt or disappointed, we tend to go on our own, but actually we're, we're to connect. That's why I'm thrilled to be able to share this morning that the ladies have been setting the pace really in the church and I know that we've had this encourage the women's breakfast for some time where they've been gathering together and stirring one another on. Well, we may have come second, but we're going to do it better, guys, because we have our first one booked for the 9th of February. I hope you've all got your phone out already. Stuck it in 10 till 12 on the 9th of February because we're going to say, come on, we want to get together. We want iron to sharpen iron. We want to inspire one another in the word of God. We grow when we help each other grow. That would be a great opportunity. More details will be sent to you this week. Number five, we grow when we expect to grow. What do you expect? Faith is key with God. We know, don't we, without faith it's impossible to please God. What do you believe in God for? There's a a very famous preacher in London, a guy called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and whenever he preached, people would get saved. And there was a guy that he was training up, a young guy, and he said, oh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'm so impressed by that. I would love it if someone got saved every time I preached. And the doctor said, do you expect them to? And he goes, well, no, no, of course not. He said, well, it will never happen then, will it? 
You see, so often we limit ourselves by expectations. In Matthew, we read, Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. If you expect nothing, that's likely to be what you get. But can we be those that believe God and expect to grow? Can I see faith stirring your heart? Who knows what God could do? We've just done three weeks on but God so that we look at him and expect great things. Rick Warren, who, as I said, wrote this material that we're basing this all on, says becoming like Christ is a long, slow process of growth. Now, the challenge there is do we lose faith in the long, slow process? If you've been going on that process for longer than 10 years, are you still believing God for something fresh this time? Number six, we grow when we commit to grow. It's a choice. It's not automatic. Someone said motivation is what gets you started. Commitment is what keeps you going. How different could you be in three months' time. In the book of Jeremiah, we read this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think one of the dangers for us is that we live in a society where we have a fear of commitment. And we can be like that with God. And it's almost like at the start, well, I'm not totally sure. We see it in so many other ways. But actually... When we really commit, what could happen? It was a great uh, quote at the beginning. I didn't put it on. I think Rich might have done all about you know, God being most powerful when we've committed ourselves in prayer. Revivals have come. We've committed ourselves to crying out to him. I was in Belfast this week uh, visiting a church planter. Guy's been going two years. And it was just great to remind ourselves of the Ulster revival and what had happened out there because they'd called upon God and God had come. And then you think, who knows what God could do? A.W. Tozer, he was an American pastor, said this, the stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ in his presence. Some of you are thinking, I don't quite get that. Well, let's go to T.D. Jakes because he'll put it much simpler. You cannot conquer what you are not committed to. Surely this is true, isn't it? Are we committed to growing? Are we committed to change? Look, I am not asking you to fill your Wellington boots this morning physically. But I am asking spiritually, do you want strength and passion for God? Will you commit to grow? As we've been saying, these journals have been great. They're going to be guiding us through it individually and as a group. In your groups, you will be looking at four ways, the four purposes of prayer. There are some notes and blanks that you can fill that in this week. I encourage you, commit to growing and going with it. I guess I'd just like to end with these two challenges. John Maxwell says if we're growing, we're always going to be out of our comfort zone. 
there you go, great news for you. In church this morning, what can I tell you? This will be three months where you'll be out of your comfort zone. So often we can feel a bit vulnerable then. What's it going to be like? How's it going to turn out? What might happen? Oh, I don't quite know. But I think that's a great place for us to grow. When Peter got out of the boat, Jesus called. Oh, that was out of his comfort zone. Now you could say, oh yeah, but he failed. But actually we know when he got back in the boat, he worshipped. And there was something about growth that had come because he'd taken the risk. We are called not to stick in our comfort zones. I think, okay, God, what's it going to be like? The final quote is from a guy called Mark Batterson. There's been an American thing this morning. It won't be like this every week. This guy leads a church in Washington. But he says this, To me, growing into spiritual maturity is becoming less self-conscious and more God-conscious. And what I love about this is actually I think the challenge is that we don't want to go into this sort of 40-day reading this and praying and, and all our small groups and think, oh, it's all about me. The whole thing, it's all about him. We've not made lots of this. I'm sure we will do another year. The, the church is six years old today. Six years ago, we launched this church publicly. We're downstairs. But we think, actually, what we don't want to do is suddenly think, oh, let's get all excited about us and what we're doing. Actually, let's get really focused on him and who he is. What a great privilege. Not about our personal comfort, but to be God-focused. Now, I recognise this is not necessarily going to be easy. We're not trying to make it easy. I do believe this will be exciting. I've often said, and I will say again, Christianity is not a crutch for the weak. It is a machete for the adventurous. And what this is really saying is, here you go. Do you want to get a hold of this machete and see what God will do? Or are you really looking just for a crutch to prop you up in weakness?